Nine minutes after five o'clock, and good morning to you again. Orion Samuelson with you for our weekly get-together here on WGN Radio Chicago. We do have quite a bit to talk about this morning, but I'll start out with the temperature on my thermometer outdoors at Huntley, Illinois, 74 degrees. But it's going to get a lot warmer than that before this day is over. And uh, the uh, hot weather and the humidity will certainly continue for a while. This past week, I uh, spent, uh, Gory and I were in Scottsdale, Arizona, where the temperature on a daily basis uh, generally hit 110 to 114 degrees. But as the Arizonans always say, it's a dry heat. But whether it's dry or wet, it is a warm, hot heat, and it really kind of bakes you with that bright desert sun. But uh, it was an interesting trip because it's the first one that uh, we have taken by airplane, uh, United, uh, not my Air Orion uh, Cessna, but uh, it was uh, interesting to walk into O'Hare Field at uh, 6.30 in the morning, and uh, you don't see anybody. There were so few people walking around waiting for their flight. Going out, I'd say the airplane was probably a third to a half full. Coming back, though, it was pretty full as we flew back uh, later in the day uh, this past week. But uh, I'll have some things to say about that and uh, about uh, the impact that we're continuing to have with COVID-19 because that really has forced industries, many of them, to totally revamp what they do. As I mentioned to Matt, the uh, food service is not hot anymore and it comes in a paper box. And the uh, industry has had to totally revamp because each of the items from the pretzels to the garlic sticks to whatever else was in there, they all were individually wrapped. Once you opened the box, that's what you did. You picked out the items you wanted and you unwrapped them. And I always marvel at the packaging today because some of those packages so tough to open that I couldn't open them to eat them. So anyway, that's a little bit of what we experienced this week. And in Arizona, in Phoenix, the because we do have a home in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, I've had that since 1994, and this was the most unsocial visit to Arizona I've taken over the past couple of decades. People were moving around, but carefully because of the uh, coronavirus count in that state. It keeps going up and up and up, and uh, most of the people were wearing face masks, but not everybody, and I, I, I dislike face masks immensely. But when I take a look at what's going on in the world, I I don't have any issue with having to wear it. It's uncomfortable. It's not fun. But I have no issue because it's one of the items that we can do as individuals to keep the uh, coronavirus from spreading. And as I mentioned, 
if you think it's not a serious situation, 595,000 deaths in the world and over 14 million cases of the coronavirus in the world. But anyway, we're going to uh, talk gardening with Jim Fazell. We're going to talk about what the Farm Progress Show will look like this year since it is one of the many events that have been canceled, or maybe I should say postponed a year, because there simply is not a lot of events that are normal, like the county fairs and the state fairs. They are not happening again because of the virus. So a lot to talk about, and we appreciate your joining us and uh, spending some time with us here every week on the Saturday morning show. So uh, we'll check in with Jim Fazell when we continue on the Saturday morning show. Hey, it's Bob Surratt. Once again, I get up early. Let's start the Chicagoland Day together every weekday morning, 5 to 9. Farmers using Pivot Bio Proven's nitrogen-producing microbes are seeing amazing results. But don't take our word for it. Just ask Brian from Carmi, Illinois. This year's been a challenging year for farming, and we saw a greater than a 30 bushel per acre response with the Pivot Bio Proven products. It's a pretty easy decision for us after seeing how it performed this year. Pivot Bio Proven. Get what you paid for. The nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. Pivot BioProven is the first ever nitrogen-producing microbe that supplies nitrogen directly to the plant, helping maximize yield. Just ask Zach from Oklahoma. The average was about a five to six bushel an acre benefit. Not only is that more money in my pocket, but it's less money I had to spend on fertilizer and wear and tear on my side dressing sprayer. Pivot BioProven. Get what you paid for. The nitrogen that stays put, whether or not. It's Jim Fazell time here on the Saturday Morning Show. We visit with him every week during the growing gardening season. And uh, I don't know what there is taking place, but with all this heat, Jim, good morning to you, and I'll bet we're getting a little growth in the garden. The gardens are growing. In fact, I think we're probably at the peak as far as flower grow, uh, uh, production is concerned, or flowers blooming, and also... A lot of stuff coming in in the garden right now. The tomatoes are beginning to come in. Of course, some people have already vacated some areas with certain things that are done already. Beans, bush beans in particular, are done. And we're starting to get some questions about uh, getting a new start in the garden. You know, it, it's interesting. Uh, there's still a lot of summer to go. The midpoint is until about August 5. That's uh, halfway between the the, the uh, 21st of June and the 21st of September. Um so there's plenty of season season to go, and not only that, it'll grow into the fall if you get your planted garden your garden planted now. Uh, getting a new start is really important for those, particularly those who didn't get everything planted and uh, where stuff was a failure. You know how what it was early in the season. Some people just kind of gave up because it was too muddy, and of course we mentioned how some spots are vacated. So it's time to start the fall garden, um, and there are things that we can plant now that do very well in cool weather. Uh, much better than they do in the hot weather, as a matter of fact. Uh, some of the things we could plant right now would be beans and carrots. Carrots are ex- excellent in cool weather. In fact, even after the ground begins to frost up a little bit, they get sweeter and sweeter. Chinese cabbage, uh, leaf lettuce, chard, 
Lots of things that can be planted right now. Uh, we need to start those things outdoors in the garden itself. Seed the garden itself. They can be planted out there. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, things that can be started indoors for a fall crop, just like we did last winter to start for things to be planted out this spring. So these th- things and uh, seeds under lights. Uh, they can be transplanted out in usually about three or four weeks, and that's just about the perfect time to put them into the garden. And the things you would, would want to do with, with uh, starting now indoors would be broccoli, cabbage, even cauliflower. Cauliflower doesn't do well here if you plant it in the spring because it gets too hot too soon. But we can start cauliflower for another month indoors. Brussels sprouts, lettuce, and spinach, get those all started indoors so that they can be transplanted out as soon as areas are vacated. Now, when areas get vacated, we need to clean them out right away. Remove the old plants, put them in a compost pile, chop them up or bury them where they are. Either one works. Fertilize. If you haven't fertilized your garden just before the crop was taken out, you need to do it now. Uh, And then turn the soil over as you would in the spring. This will incorporate all of that organic matter, and it will incorporate the fertilizer as well. Then prepare a seed bed. You need to rake the soil out. Make sure that you don't have a lot of lumps in it so that you have a, a nice, fine seed bed, at least where the rows are going to be. Then you need to seed. Uh, You may need to water the row first, and if you're going to do that, put put a little bit of moisture in that row the day before you sow the seed. You don't want the seed to be sitting in mud. Um, Then, uh, after you've seeded, there are a couple of things that you need to do. First of all, if you're uh, seeding things that have been affected by um, larvae of some of these insects that will affect seedlings in particular, uh, you need to protect the beans and some of the root crops. These are maggots that will affect them once they begin to grow. Uh, they're usually the larva of flies or gnats, and you can protect the, the new rows if you put floating row covers over them. Now, the next thing you need to do after you get the seed in there and cover it up very nicely is cover it with a board. Cover each row with, row with a board, and the reason for this is to keep those rows from drying out. You want that seed to stay moist until it does germinate. Now, the difficulty with that is if you leave the boards on too long, the seedlings will begin to grow in the shade, and they'll become long, what we call etiolated, yellow in color, and as soon as the sun hits them, they're going to sunburn and die out. That means you need to watch every day. Uh, Starting about three or four days after you sow the seed, go out every morning, lift the boards up, and see if there are seedlings coming up. Uh, If if there are none, then put the board back. Check them again in the evening before uh, dark, and once the boards... uh, And once the seedlings have begun to emerge, you need to remove those boards, as I said before. Now, some things you need to do with hot weather care for your plantings, because it's going to be hot. And uh, you do need to make sure that these plants are watered. If you're going to do that, water early in the day on a rising temperature. This reduces the evaporation and makes sure that the plants are going to dry off before dark so you don't get disease problems. You need to put down a measured inch of water each time you do that. Now, if you have individual plants that you put out there, uh, some of the larger plants, maybe out of pots or something like that. Drip watering will work. It doesn't work if you have rows because you have to have an emitter for each plant. Uh, One of the other things you can do if we have one of these really hot, sunny, dry days like we're we're getting presently, uh, syringing the plants and even your lawns can help cool them. Just do that just to moisten the leaves. Do that once or twice a day to keep the plants from overheating. Uh, This isn't going to water the soil at all, but it will keep the plants cool down and help them to survive the heat. Meanwhile, it's time to do harvesting. Lots of stuff coming in right now. We need to harvest in the cool of the morning if we can, as soon as the dew dries off. 
You don't want to pick some of these things when they're wet because that can cause disease problems, especially with things like beans. It's important to harvest in the cool of the morning while the produce is still cool because it's going to keep a lot better. And, in fact, <clears throat> things like sweet corn, if you pick it in the morning when it's cool and get it into refrigeration right away, the sugars will stay sugars and will not turn to starch, and it's going to stay sweet longer. Another thing we need to do right now, although we haven't had a lot of problem with them, is insect problems. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of insects this year. In fact, it's really amazing that, that we have not run into any mosquitoes in our sojourns as Jane and I go out and do our walking in the morning. We have certain areas where we generally run into mosquitoes. There aren't any. Not that we want them, but they're not there. But there are a lot of other insects that can be out there. Keep an watch for insects in your garden. Walk through it in the morning, even if you're not picking things. Take a look and see what is out there. If you're beginning to see some insect problems, take care of whatever it is right away. Also, disease problems. Now, since we haven't had a lot of moisture yet, a lot of disease problems that we generally see this time of year have not begun to show up. If they do show up, if it's a disease on one leaf, pick that leaf off. It's the same thing with an insect. If you've got aphids on one shoot tip, take that thing off, put it in the trash, and don't worry about it. Uh, there's no need in spraying, spraying the whole garden if you have one plant that's infected or infested with insects. Uh, out in the lawn, you want to keep mowing. Uh, it's important to keep doing that, even if you do, do not have a lot of grass growing. <clears throat> some grass has gone pretty dry, but you know the weeds always grow, and some of these grass varieties put up seed stalks, even if, if there's no, no gr uh, apparent gr uh, growth going on. So you need to keep them mowed just to keep them looking nice. Uh, it's a little late for grub control right now. But if you begin to have grub problems later in the year, there are several things that you could use, like seven or dilox at, that, at the time that these begin to show up. Now, the sod webworms were flying about 10 days ago. If you had a lot of them flying, it's probably a good time right now to go out and put down some uh, insecticide to kill these little larvae before they work on your grass. The sod webber adults, as they're flying, lay eggs, which take about 10 days to hatch. Those little larvae that hatch from those, little caterpillars that have from those, hatch from those, are beginning to feed on the grass. And it doesn't matter whether the grass is green or brown, they will feed on it anyway. So if you had a lot of webworms flying, now's the time to put down insecticide. Seven will work. Um, bonide uh, Delta-8 will work. And there are a lot of other things that you can find in your garden centers. Uh, no problem with diseases as yet, although summer ring and patch diseases may crawl, uh, show up where we have lawns. That where you have not controlled the thatch. Uh, if that's the case, uh, not much you can do with it now. Be sure that you get water on if you need it. Uh, one other thing I want to mention, we have a lot of new trees planted throughout the area because of the uh, emerald ash borer, which killed off all the ash trees. A lot of the communities put water gators, we just call them gators. These are these green plastic bags that they put around the trees for you. Be sure that if you have one of those, that once a week, if we don't get rain, you go out and fill those things. That will put 20 gallons of water down around that tree every week as long as you need to, as you need it, as long as we don't have rain. That may be enough to save those trees. And even if they're little tiny trees, they will grow into big trees and will replace those big ones that we've lost. Last thing I want to mention is your journal. If you haven't started one to keep track of what's happening in your garden, Start one now. It's not too late to do it. Make it simple. Just use something. I've got a spiral notebook that I've used for years. You put the year at the top, the date, and what's going on at that time, and you keep it. So you can look back years from now. You can see what mistakes you made and what things that were good that you did. 
Be sure that you lim- that you don't just limit to the good things because you want to record your mistakes so you don't make the same ones over again. So it's a good time. We're in the middle of summer here. It's a beautiful time of year. Get out and enjoy it. It's hot. That's what it's supposed to be in the summertime. That's what we wait all winter for. And get your journal started because, boy, you really make use of that journal, uh, I would guess, for years, don't you? I think we've lost contact with Jim, and so he'll be with us again next week. And we hope, of course, you will too every week for his report on the Saturday morning show. We are 26 minutes after 5 o'clock, 74 degrees outside my studio here in Huntley, Illinois. During this summer of postponements and cancellations, one of the biggest cancellations, the Farm Progress Show. As a matter of fact, uh, I can't remember if that's ever happened, but Max, uh, it's certainly an unusual event, right? Yeah, it's the first time in 67 years, Orion, that there is no Farm Progress Show, but there will be a Farm Progress virtual experience coming along online the middle part of September. Talked about it this week with a guy who generally at this point of the season is working on uh, loading docks and getting exhibitors in place and making sure the field demonstrations are ready to go. Oh, yes, this year he will still be making sure that Field demonstrations are ready to go. Matt Youngman, Farm Progress Show Manager, spoke with me. Well, this this is certainly a unique summer. I think uh, nobody's going to question that. Through the through through the the pandemic that that's been underway, it's it's changed a lot of folks' jobs, and and, and we are no different. And we're working as hard right now as we would be if we were going to have a live in person event. Uh, but now we're working on creating videos and creating new and, and innovative ways for our exhibitors to connect with, with their customers, the growers that, that raise our food, fiber, and fuel. So the, the primary mission is the same. We're just going about it completely differently this year. The Farm Progress Virtual Experience is what it'll be called. And there will be the opportunity for growers to see the equipment being demonstrated in the field, just as they do at the show. Yeah, you know, rather than having a virtual Farm Progress show and a virtual Husker Harvest Days, we thought it best to merge the two together. So we've merged the exhibitor lists, and and we're going to have all of the demonstrations, the various demonstrations that occur at both shows, merged into one event. So you're looking at combines and tillage and autonomous machines and ride and drives, but add to that the things that are special about Husker Harvest Days, like haying demonstrations and cat and re- a really impressive cattle handling demonstration. We're, we're working really hard and maybe creating some new opportunities that folks wouldn't otherwise have because for safety reasons and a lot of other things that we have to do when the crowd's there, we're not going to have a crowd there this year. So maybe we can put the camera in some very unique places and do some things that otherwise we couldn't do for safety reasons. So it, it's a, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to create this new event uh, while we would all rather be together in person. Uh, that's just not in the cards this year. So we're going to do the best we can to bring the growers some very unique field demonstrations, give them the opportunity to see some things that maybe they've never been able to see before and make new and better evaluations about the equipment and, and, and pieces that they may want to purchase. Farmers really do flock to the fields. They stand behind that rope, stand at a distance to be sure because of the safety. But what you're saying is with the new machines, the companies that would have had at the they would have had at the Farm Progress show, growers may be able to see them up close and personal the way they never have before. 
that is a, that is exactly right. And 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 we're it, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's a lot of one-on-one conversations with all these exhibitors, whether they be big or small exhibitors, and and working with them to make sure that we're doing the best we can to highlight the new products, the things that they were going to unveil in person. We now have to figure out how to do that digitally. And so, you know, whether it's in the field demonstrations or with interviews with you or me or any of our editorial staff that's working really hard to give these exhibitors great exposure, uh, it's it's a it's a brave new world for 2020 and 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 very much looking forward to what we're going to bring to the table in the middle of September. Middle of September. Get the dates out there for us again, please. Yeah, so we're we're gonna we're gonna utilize the time when we normally would have had the shows to get all the content put together, and and so the the date the three day event is September fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth. But the good thing is, if you can't just be there in front of your computer for three straight days, all the content that's going to be unveiled over those three days is going to be live well into twenty twenty one. So you know you're going to want to see some things right there live when they happen because it'll be kind of like breaking news but then you know if you're if you're waiting in line at the elevator in your in your truck or you're in the field and you're watching you can watch it from your phone if you want to do some research it'll be kind of a nice research tool to go back through the winter and 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 utilize this event as a place to to make some comparisons for what you're shopping for farm progress virtual experience we look forward to sharing that and sharing more details in the weeks ahead right here also i'm sure the website farmprogressshow.com will be a place to stop too absolutely farmprogressshow.com or huskerharvestdays.com matt youngman manager of the farm progress show so orion even though we'll miss the personal contact and the handshakes and the reunion of seeing people that we see year after year, there will still be that vital source of information, knowledge, and research for farmers looking for the products and services they need to farm. Well, indeed, it'll be a different year, but it is for everything from county fairs to state fairs to the Farm Progress Show. But we will look forward to, again, attending a real farm progress show a year from now and uh, we're at the halfway mark here on the saturday morning show uh, still to come a look at market activity with jerry Galky, who is involved in farming here in the midwest and as well as north dakota and uh, Max will be back with Matt to talk about the uh, crop situation at the moment. So a lot coming here on the Saturday morning show, including Samuelson says, as we take a look at some of the activity or maybe not activity in the agricultural world this year. So uh, we'll check in with my thoughts on Samuelson Says when we continue. Ensuring safety for your employees and customers has never been more important. Reopen your business with confidence. Contact Dr. Tech. Dr. Tech offers technology that quickly screens all incoming guests and employees for a fever to help prevent the spread of viruses. Eliminate labor costs on a dedicated temperature screener. Provide a visible reminder to anyone entering your business that you're taking the necessary precautions to protect their health. Call Dr. Tech at 815-277-9080 to schedule a free demonstration or visit drtech.net, D-R-T-E-C.net. About this time every year, or even earlier than this time, I spend some time talking about parents and college students who get concerned, who get sticker shock when they see the cost of a college education. But there is help available. 
But it will not come looking for you. You'll have to go looking for it. Because I was reminded today as I went through my email, I found this message. A California native living in Texas plans to put the 2020 Sheep Heritage Foundation Scholarship to use in Idaho. Texas A&M Extension Associate Jake Thorne was selected for the $3,000 scholarship and will spend the money working toward a Ph.D. remotely through the University of Idaho. That, of course, because of the unusual COVID-19 situation that is changing education, but it doesn't seem to be changing the cost of it. But I want to make this point, which I make every year, and that is there is scholarship money available. I'm amazed at the number of announcements I get from companies and farm organizations talking about scholarships for whatever area of agriculture they're involved in. But again, let me repeat, they don't come looking for you, so you'll have to go looking for them. But it could certainly help your pocketbook if you're putting a student through college or if you are a student who are contemplating going to college to further your education. So talk to your advisors in high school as soon as you can about scholarships that maybe you should be applying for when you reach that age because the money is out there. As a matter of fact, the National Association of Farm Broadcasters, of which I'm a member, offers several college scholarships each year. And that's just one organization that makes money available to young people to further their agricultural education. So I'll repeat once again, they don't come looking for you, so you go looking for them. And who knows, maybe you'll be able to help your folks with their college expenses or will be able to help you with your expenses to further your education. The money is out there, but go looking for it because they won't look for you. My thoughts on Samuelson Says. And it's a presentation of the Next Star Media Group at 25 minutes before 6 o'clock. And we'll be talking markets as we join uh, Mike Pearson and his guest, Jerry Galke, when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. We are at 16 minutes before 6 o'clock, 74 degrees at my thermometer in Huntley, Illinois, and another hot day in the forecast, Uh, good crop growing weather, but uh, again, some areas are going to need a little more moisture to get this uh, through to maturity. A couple of things this week. We are not alone in having a labor problem in the meat processing plants here in the United States because this week a Brazilian judge ordered all employees at a pork plant owned by meatpacker JBS to stay home in Brazil for at least 14 days due to a coronavirus outbreak among workers that 
prosecutors say has affected over 40% of the personnel in those plants. The judge made the decision on Thursday. According to a court document, the plant that was shut down has about a 1,000 employees, according to prosecutors, and it's one of six Brazilian meat plants currently barred from exporting to China over the coronavirus concerns. Interestingly enough, because of the new inspections required in China, for food items that are imported into that country. They're now backing up ships at their ports because they are inundated with uh, the cargo ships bringing food in, but because they now have to have the inspection, which is a lot more major than it was before the judge ordered this, uh, it's going to slow down what's going on with the meatpacking industry in China. Meanwhile, let's come back home for a moment because lawmakers from Iowa are trying to add aid for the biofuels industry into a pending coronavirus relief package in the Senate. Senator uh, Chuck Grassley of Iowa and his colleague, Senator Joni Ernst, hope to include a subsidy for feedstock for the ethanol industry in the bill. Farmers and producers of the corn-based fuel were hit hard during the coronavirus pandemic as government-imposed lockdowns sank demand for gasoline. And so Senator Grassley said the long-term hope for ethanol is directly related to the extent to which the economy picks up and people start driving. U.S. law mandates that oil refiners blend billions of gallons of gasoline into their fuel pool. Senator Grassley could not say when a final bill would be ready in the Senate, but in May, House Democrats passed a coronavirus relief bill that did include aid for biofuels producers. So again, we're going to keep an eye on Washington to see what kind of legislation and stimulus and relief they're going to include in any new legislation uh, that would affect the uh, coronavirus impact on driving and on the uh, expansion of that industry. And uh, Mike and J- and Jerry uh, or Galky talked about the import from uh, that China is indicating with their purchases of our crops. And it's interesting because ever since China said it was going to slow down its purchase of U.S. agricultural crops, This past week, on July 17th, 126,000 tons of soybeans sold to unknown destinations. On the 16th of July, 286,000 tons of soybeans sold to unknown destinations. Also on the 16th, 65,000 soybeans sold to unknown destinations. And generally, when they don't announce the final destination, I think most traders assume it's going to China. And then one other one this uh, past week, July 16th, USDA announced 390,000 tons of soybeans sold to China. 
And on the 16th, 132,000 tons of soybeans sold to China. So indeed, uh, they have been buying agricultural products as a follow-through on phase one of that trade agreement. And now we're beginning to wonder if there will be a phase two because of the tension between President Trump and China. And so the question is now, will they be uh, adding to those purchases and uh, will they move forward on phase two of that agreement? So those are some of the questions. But also, according to the U.S. Grains Council, I found this interesting. The largest U.S. corn sale to China ever was announced on July 14th. The third largest corn sale to China was announced on July 10th, and 51% of total 2020-2021 U.S. corn sales are going to China, and uh, China is now the number five U.S. corn buyer. And we've always thought of China being the big buyer of soybeans, but They're pretty active in the U.S. corn market as well. So how are those crops doing? Well, every week, uh, folks at BASF uh, put Max Armstrong to work to share information. And so let's check in with uh, Max now and his guest on crop conditions. Max? We visit again this weekend with a technical service representative of BASF, Orion, and Kurt Martins all throughout this growing season has kept us surprised of what he's seeing out there in the fields. Kurt, I have to tell you, I was on the road over the past few days in central Illinois, out around Bloomington, Champaign, Pontiac, Morris, in those areas, and uh, the planes were in the air. The Air Force was at work out there, very much so. This has got to be about the peak period, isn't it, for fungicide application? Yeah, we're just getting started, Max. The planes are really getting going this week, and for the next couple of weeks, they'll be they'll be going strong. Uh, corn, most of our corn, starting to tassel, so it's early tassel. Happy to see the applications going out because we are seeing a fair amount of disease starting to pop up in these fields, and we're starting to get more and more reports now of tar spot across the Midwest. And then southern rust is starting to sneak up from the south as well. So with the rain and the weather that we've had, we can really see the disease starting to come into this corn crop. What about the soybeans? Uh, The fields that I saw look very good. They have a healthy look to them. Are they subject to uh, uh, disease pressures too? You bet. You bet. Most of the time uh, we've got satoria that's going to be our disease in soybeans year in, year out. Uh, But every year we're getting more and more frog eye leaf spot, which is a fungal disease that we see moving up to the south. So especially if you're south of Interstate 80, we're seeing more and more of that. So uh, those diseases, it's going to start kicking in here pretty soon. Most of our beans are maybe on the early side for fungicides yet. Most of our beans are in the R2, late R2 growth stage. And our optimal timing for fungicide applications in soybeans is at R3. So when you have one pod, 316, 7-inch long, and one of the top four nodes, that's R3. And that's when I'd really like to see guys guys start making those fungicide applications in beans. What else are you hearing from the growers as they're out there? I imagine they're doing a lot of field inspections now, uh, just as you are. Very optimistic in the areas that have gotten rain. You know, for the most part, most of Illinois, eastern Iowa, southern Wisconsin, the areas that I cover, we've had some good rains. It was getting a little touch and go there, being dry until the weekend here. And uh, everyone got some decent rains. Keep us going here for, for a little bit longer. 
Uh, we did have some wind that came with it, unfortunately, and in some places hail and a green snap. But uh, but for the most part, we're we're in pretty darn good shape in this part of the country. So again, a lot of lot of lot of good things going for our crop right now. I did see some of that lodged corn uh, down the east side of the state, and as you say, much of it appeared like it could be early enough that it. It might be uh, coming back from it without difficulty. And I saw some shredded leaves in that area. I guess it would have been southern Champaign County where uh, the hailstorm, and I think that was Saturday night uh, that that came through, that that would have resulted in crop damage. But you see a little bit of that every year, and generally it's accompanied by rain, and rain is uh, welcome in most areas when it comes through. You'll have those flooded spots, but other places that probably needed it. That's right. That's right. As long as uh, the corn wind damaged corn is being able to write itself back up before most of the pollination, it still has pretty much all of its yield potential and still worth putting uh, or treating with with a fungicide like Ultima. Uh, one, it's going to obviously help with the stock strength and, and late season standability and harvestability. And even if someone's on the fence about making like a Ultima application, headline amp application on that gooseneck corn, I tell them, hey, at least treat some acres because probably going to have some difficulties at harvest. So protect it now. It's going to help spread out some of that harvest risk. That's something we have a hard time thinking about here in July, you know, but we need to be thinking about what's coming up here in September and October and November. Kurt, thanks a lot. We look forward to a visit next week, too. Appreciate it, sir. Thanks, Max. Kurt Martin's there, Orion. And before I leave you this morning, I just wanted to make mention of the passing of a friend of ours who died this past week who was very instrumental in working on tractors for the old international harvester, Bill Borgoff Sr., a longtime resident of Naperville and Arlington Heights, who worked at the Deneda Farm as one of the volunteers out there helping impart knowledge about agriculture. But for 25 years, he was an agricultural engineer with International Harvester. And back in the 60s, helped develop the 806, the International 806, and the 1206, helping transition International Harvester into that 100-horsepower tractor era playing a very important role with that company. And when you talked with him, you learned something every time, but in a gentle way. He was such a gentle man, and we'll miss him. We felt privileged to be around Bill on several different occasions. Our condolences to his wife, Barb, to his sons, and to the grandchildren as well in the Borgoff family. Good guy. Bill passed away at the age of 82. Orion? All right, and one other name that left us this past week, and uh, that's Dr. Owen Newland with Pioneer. And the U.S. Grains Council paid tribute this week to industry pioneer Owen Newland, who passed away July 12. And uh, both Max and I had the opportunity to travel to uh, on some foreign trade missions uh, where Owen was part of the group. And every time I interviewed Owen Newland, I learned a great deal because he was a tremendous influence in seed technology, particularly with the Pioneer Company. So we lose uh, two important features in people involved in agriculture. And uh, we remember them well, and uh, 
we're almost done, so we'll be back in just a moment. Well, once again, we've run out of time here on this Saturday morning, uh, and we can't go to a county fair, we can't go to a state fair because of the unusual COVID-19 summer that uh, I hope we never have to experience again. And I look forward to the summer that we can get Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, all of the other events, county and state fairs, and enjoy them as we always do. My thanks to uh, Bob Ferguson, the man who does the engineering to put this show together. And, of course, as always, my thanks to you for listening to the Saturday Morning Show.